This is Vladimir Putin, and I would never listen to I Doubt It to Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, everybody. This is episode 283 of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I am your host, Jesse Dolomore, and sitting across from me, the sweet and knowledgeable and scholarly lady who is also afraid of camping, <laughs> Brittany Page. I am afraid of camping. <laughs> well, I guess I should give a little backstory here. We are going... I always get weird talking about where we're going to be. Like there's going to be some terrorist strike just because we're there. So sorry if we get blown up, everybody. But Brittany and I will be at The Gorge, which is a concert venue Mm -hmm. in Washington State to watch John Mayer. Yes. Who's finally putting out some decent music. (laughs) Like it's been like almost 10 years. And he's fine. John Mayer, this is going out to you, buddy, because I know you listen to the show. Thank you for finally getting your, your, your blues groove back. And not putting out poppy crap. That almost rhymed. That could be a lyric for him. You know, I think he's probably sick of hearing this. <laughs> so I don't think he's a fan of what you're saying right I now. I don't fucking care. We're paying a lot of money to go see the goddamn show. We are. So anyway, we're going to be at this concert venue. And part of the deal is we're going to be with a bunch of friends, lifelong friends of ours. And part of the deal is we're going to camp. And Brittany has been very, uh, how do you put it? Well, the one time I went camping, my mom pissed on me. <laughs> that's how I put it. Let's, so let's, let's not blow our wad already. But that's what happened. So when people say, oh, we're going camping, I have flashbacks of my mom pissing on me. And, <laughs> and we're I not get, talking I'm about afraid. like D- Donald Trump, Trump, tawdry style. No, it wasn't a golden shower situation. It was an accidental piss on me situation. <laughs> it was. So... So anyway, Brittany's very, she's, there's trepidation yeah. surrounding the camping situation. Like, is there going to be running water? What kind of a sleeping arrangement? Is there going to be an RV? Yeah. None of that's the case. It's going to be tents, pine needles in your asshole. Not a good time for Brittany Page. But th- I, I want you to, now that we've let the cat out of the bag. About the piss. Yeah, about the piss party you had with your mom. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what happened? How did your mom end up pissing on you? Well, we met one of her friends in a camping area in McCall, Idaho. Right. And we didn't actually know we would be staying the night, so we didn't come prepared. And all we had was my mom's Dodge Durango, and I was there with my mom and my two younger sisters. But her friend had a, a very nice camper. So when it was nighttime and we decided, oh, we'll just stay. We'll stay the night. Because we're here and we don't want to drive back. I got into the comfy, warm camper and I was laying in the bed with my two sisters. Safe, warm, comfy. Dry. Yes. (laughs) My mom comes in and says, I don't want to sleep alone in the Dodge Durango on an air mattress. Will you come keep me company? And I said, I'm so warm and cuddly here. I don't want to do that. (laughs) You're going to go out in the car with no heat because it's not going to run all night. Yeah, it was freezing cold. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I, this McCall, Idaho is a mountain town. Yeah. 
Yes. A, a very cold. And even in the summertime, it gets down, I bet, into the 40s and 50s at night. It was freezing. Yeah. So I left my comfy, warm bed in a camper <laughs> and crawled onto an air mattress in the back of a Dodge Durango with my mom. Nice. And she starts cuddling up to me because it's freezing to keep herself warm. Right. And she was breathing on me and it was horrific. It was like ghoul breath. And I said, listen, <laughs> listen, the breath is real bad. <laughs> Turn the face away. Get some distance between the faces here. You're treating your mother like she's an object. Get the breath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like Smeagol or uh, Gollum. The talking about the precious. <laughs> yeah. Get some distance here. I get off and I start making her laugh through the meanness. <laughs> she thinks it's very funny and she laughs so this hard. This is externalizing language, by the way. Yeah. The meanness, not my meanness. No, right, 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 right. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Um, I'm learning the tricks, Brittany You Page. are, you are. So she starts hysterically laughing and loses control of her bladder and pisses on me. And it was very bad. Very, very bad. So, Well, how much piss? Is it like a little, oh, I'm starting to piss. I better clench it up and stop it. Listen, any amount of piss is too much piss <laughs> when you get pissed on. I, I don't know why you're even asking that question. Well, it seems to me that there's, there's an acceptable level amount of piss. If it's just like a moistening of, of, of the outside of her jeans that happens to touch you. Yeah. That's one thing. If it's a torrent of... of of yellow, trumpy, <laughs> dreamy goodness. That's a bummer. Well, listen, it must not have been all of it because after that happened, it I said, must not have been all I of said, it. listen, I need to go to the bathroom, but we didn't have a flashlight and it was pitch black outside. It was in the middle of the woods. Right, right. But there was some sort of bathroom location on the campsite area. And so we were determined to find it. And so we get out of the Dodge Durango. It sounds like an adventure. And to ensue. we can't see. And we start walking and I'm like slowly trying to feel my way. And as I'm like, hey, mom, do you think we need a flash light and i just start tumbling down this hill that is a wonderful reenactment i must say yeah i know thank ah! you <laughs> and i tumble down this hill and have sticks in my hair and my face is all effed up and you're covered in piss too and i'm covered in piss H and how much piss were you covered in i don't remember you're really intent on figuring well, out the like, amount was it like you, you your jeans were actually wet like you could ah god damn it i have piss all i over had me. my mom's piss on me <laughs> It was traumatic enough. I guess. Any amount. So when that happened, she starts laughing at me because I said the flashlight and she thought that was hilarious that I tumbled down the hill. <laughs> and so she wet her pants again and she fell face down in a planter and we went and looked the next day and there was like an imprint of her face with a broken cigarette where the mouth was. Really? In this planter, yeah, because she just fell face that's down. That's like a cartoon. Right, it's, in the planter. That's like when the Kool-Aid man comes barging through, barging through, smashing through the wall. Yeah. And there's like a Kool-Aid man hole, <laughs> shaped hole in the wall. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable, and she had to wear those clothes all night. Well, listen, given this new information, I guess I still have no m m sympathy for you whatsoever about the camping. Oh, well, thanks. No one's going to piss on you. Okay, I also i will need a flashlight, because I want to make sure I can see where I'm going. I'm sure that they'll have a flashlight. We're not going to travel with a flashlight. <laughs> TSA is going, what in the fuck's going on here? We're going camping. 
Because we did just buy a flashlight for the rain apocalypse that happened here in L.A. Well, and for the imminent earthquake. Right. The eight-point earthquake that's getting ready to hit any moment. Like every six months, and then we're moving on here, but every six months or so, they always have... It's dire... Like they get that uh, Ingiko or whatever his name is, that Japanese long-haired, gray-haired scientist guy. They have him out making the rounds right now talking about all of the earthquake talk. And it gets Brittany a little a little nervous. Well, they always say we're long overdue. Yeah, but they've been saying we're long overdue since like 1998. That's true. But I guess I've been on the... You know what? You know what else is long overdue? The rapture. <laughs> Jesus was supposed to come back a long time ago. Yeah, the world ending is long over overdue as well. <laughs> right. So we have got a bunch of water and by a bunch, I mean like 10 gallons. Yeah, not enough. So we, we do have... None to... of it's Aquafina, by the way. For, <sighs> for those uh, loyal deep track listeners of the show <laughs> it's not arrowhead though it's not arrowhead okay we do have to say though because the episode's late that we went to this young democrats meeting oh we're gonna talk about that well we don't need to we just need to say what we were doing we oh, okay. went to this meeting because they are rallying the troops to get these uh people like dana Rohrbacher to hold town hall meetings and so it was kind of like this meeting of all the young Democrats coming together and strategizing. And so that's what we were doing the night we were supposed to be doing the show. And then I got home after being at school all day yesterday and slept for 12 hours. So Brittany's school schedule is it's not the hours at school hectic. It is the work that needs to be done. Hectic side of things. So it's, this for the next eight weeks or so, it's going to be again kind of like it was last semester for her. A little spotty on the getting the shows out, but it's look, it's all for the betterment of you, the audience, because what better claim than I listen to a podcast with somebody who is super duper smart and it's not Jesse D. <laughs> oh, geez. So, anyway, uh, good time. Brittany's well rested, ready to go, filled with Susie cake, cupcakes, and coffee, a bagel sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how dare you? Those are the two things that make you the happiest. I slept for 12 hours. That's what makes me the happiest. Sleep and food. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Of course it's true. Now I just need some of that drink that Nikki sent. Been, oh, yeah. I've been drinking that. She has been. Nikki, listen. It is tasty. Brittany has been. I mean, I've had one shot glass of it that I had <laughs> on the show. And I'm not fucking kidding. Brittany's drank the rest of it. Like, it's almost gone. And Brittany, it's one shot at a time. She'll fill it up, nurse that shot a little bit, go get another one. It's only 21% alcohol. It's, I yeah. mean, it's more than a glass of wine. Yeah. Less than a glass of whiskey. But it she's is been, uh, a tasty treat, Nikki. Nah, she's, it's her fave. So. I love it. You should just know that it's been making me very happy. Thank you. All right. Let's get to some voicemails, everybody. Hey guys, this is uh, Mark, the uh, mailman from Mundelein. Uh There's a lot of things that uh, during the show I'm like, oh, I'm going to call and comment on that, but I'm lazy and busy and everything. So, uh, but you guys were just talking about the uh, the speech that Trump gave and how what's his face Van Jones was gushing over it and all this nonsense, and what nobody is acknowledging, and it's very frustrating, somebody wrote that speech for him. He didn't even have to write it. He didn't even write it. 
So not only did he simply stand there, read off the teleprompter, which deserves no praise, but what he was reading was not even his own. He didn't... didn't. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me take a deep breath. Can we just acknowledge he, he basically did nothing worthy of any uh, admiration, praise, should warrant no respect. He's the president. He should be able to read. I personally can't read in front of a group. <laughs> you could take that out of context and say, well, you can't read. No, I can read, but not in front of a group. It's terrifying for me. But anyways, that's all he had to do. He didn't even have to write the thing, okay? That's it. Sorry. I'm done. Love you guys. Bye. No need to be sorry. <laughs> Although I would say this, when you say nobody is talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if we didn't say he didn't write this fucking speech, it's not because we thought he wrote the speech. It's because everybody knows this dummy is not writing his own speeches. No president writes his own speeches. No, none of them do. Right. You got somebody who's a wordsmith. Yeah. Multiple people. Several. There's several drafts they go through. If you've ever watched The West Wing, that's probably the most accurate representation of how it gets done. Rob Lowe's it, writing all the speeches. That's right. They have Rob Lowe come in, and he just <laughs> he just gushes and gushes his handsome all over the page. Yeah. And it ends up being a masterful historic speech. Taking care of his. Yeah. Yeah. Really taking care of his. Anyway, yeah, for sure. Uh, Mark is right. Fuck that guy. All he had to do was show up <laughs> yeah. and look at the camera, look at the teleprompter. Yeah. Uh, that's like a cross between Trump and Arnold Schwarzenegger, apparently. It, it was something. <laughs> a California. <laughs> so, yeah, Mark's right, and it is frustrating. Um, you know, sometimes bitching about shit, makes it's kind of cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the same way for Mark. <laughs> we appreciate it very much, buddy. All right, next up. Hey guys, Brittany from Mississippi here, a.k.a. Brittany number two. Um, I am in traffic. For some reason, all of my, my voicemails are in fucking traffic. Anyway, I'm pondering some of life's deep questions, and I wanted to put one out there to you guys. Does it make me an asshole to think that maybe the guy that's literally in front of me right now with his giant Trump pin sticker on his car, does it make me an asshole to think that maybe he's an even bigger asshole? Is that bad? Now, I understand. I don't know these people. And, I, you know, I get that. Not, no judgments. But, you know, the election's over. We're deep into this thing now, a few months, and a couple months, whatever. And it feels like it's been 18 fucking years. Um, And, I mean, you don't see as many, I don't know about other places, but here, I haven't seen as many stickers on cars as I did before the election. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, are these like the, the people who are like the super soldiers, the ones that if I make a negative comment on a, you know, public feed on Facebook, they're going to come after me and tell me why I'm, you know, a libtard or, yeah, forgive me, I hate that term, uh, or, a, you know, snowflake or, you know, whatever the fuck. So I just wonder, I mean, are these like the assholes that are like sticking by this shit? These people who have like so dedicatedly left their stickers on their car because i mean sticker i got on the back of my car says i doubt it with dollamore 
So, I don't know. I just wondered, and of course, part of this is kind of in a joking, you know, sense, but I, I kind of have that feeling. Like, I see some of these people, and they still have these stickers on their cars. I'm like, God damn it. You're going to be a dick and cut me off in traffic, aren't you? Shit. Does that make me a jerk? Am I the only one that thinks that? If it does make me a jerk, I will work on that. If it doesn't, if I'm not the only one out there, somebody let me know. So I don't feel like the only one. <laughs> anyway, thanks, guys. Love the show, of course. And we, Brittany's, are always the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Let me, let me, I don't want to piggyback off another bit that that another show does, but there's a podcast, it's like a sister podcast, let's say, Nerd Out Loud, Mm -hmm. uh, friends of ours in Seattle that do a show, and they have a segment called Am I a Jerk, which every time I hear a good bit on on someone's show, I want to take it, But, but since a listener called in with this, maybe we should start the Am I an Asshole I don't know. I wouldn't say, I would say this. I think it's very, this is serious. I think it's very easy to fall into the trap to see anybody who's a Trump supporter, especially if you listen to the show and hear me fucking rage. But not everybody who voted for Trump did it for nefarious reasons. A lot of people are just, were fed up with the establishment situation and were, were able to somehow bifurcate all of the bullshit that went on, all of the insanity that was said by Donald Trump and able to vote for him. There's, there are millions of very salt-of-the-earth, decent people who voted for Donald Trump. They just did it for the wrong reasons. Right. So, well, one, if he's driving a big, giant truck and he has a Trump sticker, yeah, that guy's probably a douche. <laughs> <laughs> just based on the truck, not even the Trump sticker, that guy's probably a fucking douche. Well, I think <laughs> Do I need that... to play the disclaimer? No, no. <laughs> I think that that is the original impulse, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the It's certainly mine. That's the first thing that comes up. But then we have the opportunity to kind of sit with that feeling and reflect on it. And is it realistic that all of the people that supported Donald Trump are genuinely bad people? Like do bad things yeah, in their life n- day not to day realistic, or are yeah. hateful and probably not. I mean, most people most Republicans, most Democrats are generally good people who just view the world in a very different way. And that's what I try to to think. Right now, of course, there are exceptions for racists, um, people who are intent on oppressing homosexuals. Right. Any of yeah, that kind of stuff. That, that's a major problem where it's difficult to be like, oh, hey, yeah, you just disagree. Um, and a real problem. Yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah. In fact, it's something that you shouldn't just go, oh, hey, yeah, we disagree on that. No, that should be something that you fight against. Certain things are intolerable. Right. But just because someone has a Trump sticker doesn't mean that that's what they are. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I mean, it's more likely that they are. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily spell it out. Right. And wouldn't that be easy if we could just, (laughs) oh, he has a sticker. We know what kind of person he is. So that's pretty easy. We can just write him off. But unfortunately, it's more complicated. It's not like looking at a guy. Oh, he has an Ed Hardy shirt on. I fucking hate that guy. (laughs) It's not that easy with a Trump sticker. (laughs) Yeah. That guy's wearing a whole bottle of cologne right now. (laughs) I fucking hate that guy. It's not quite that easy. Yeah, it's not. No, no. That guy's wearing way too many necklaces. (laughs) I fucking hate that guy. Oh, how many other traits, there, Jesse D? How on, many other traits? The whole show could be that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But I think it's important that we fight this impulse because I, I in fact, I got into it yesterday on Facebook. Shocking. Sorry. With, <laughs> with someone who said something about how... That guy's wearing socks and sandals. Oh, my God. And the socks are pulled up to his knees. Yeah. And he thinks he's a tough guy. That seems like a really cool outfit. I see that all the time. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. So someone posted something about, um, I keep seeing so many posts and all I can do is just laugh and shake my head. And the funny thing is they're not even trying to be funny, right? This like smug asshole post. Smarmy bullshit. And I commented on it and I just said, you know, how is this helpful? Rather than standing back and criticizing from afar, why don't you mix it up with somebody? Why yeah. don't you engage them in conversation, right? And it's it's different when someone's driving in front of you. But I'm saying if we develop this viewpoint Us where... Us and them thing. Yeah, and we just write people off the minute that we see that they believe something that we don't or you know one characteristic then that's not really useful for improving where we are in this political climate. And listen, uh, Brittany, number two, this is a lesson that Brittany's teaching me right now more than anybody because I am the I am guilty of this. It's a daily struggle with me to force my brain to make the right decision because my instinct is, ah, fuck you, you voted for Trump, you ruined America, when everything that Brittany's saying right now is... I need to put in practice in my life. Well, I have to fight the impulse too. Yeah. I, listen, I also called someone a dick on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> We're not perfect, okay? <laughs> uh, it, it's difficult, but... That, that's a big deal for Brittany Yeah, Page. but I try. I try really, really hard. He was being well, a dick. Hang on. I wanna, I wanna, there's, another, <laughs> there's another aspect to this that I, that I want to talk about. That who, who are these people, Democrat and Republican alike, who, one, who put stickers, who put, not bumper stickers, but political bumper stickers on their car yeah i don't get it and then for those of you who just generally do it i don't understand but for those who leave them on your car after the election yeah come on you're all what are you doing no that, that, i don't understand that yes yeah, am i it. weird i mean obviously you agree i completely agree i, I just think that's a weird thing i've, I've always seen, thought it was weird i've seen like years after that it was bush like bush quail Mm-hmm. Like we're talking early nineties, ninety two, yeah, that election, and I was seeing those into the early two thousands. It's just take that off. What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Bumper stickers in general, uh, politics and faith. I think should be. Come on, let's stop it. If you want to put a I doubt it with Dalmore sticker in your car, then right on. Or if you got. Or if you got a, any of those, I don't know, like the coexist, all that shit. It just gets on my nerves. Just one more thing. Uh-oh. Like dudes who wear lots of cologne. Yeah. Or any cologne for that matter. <laughs> anyway. I don't know why you cupped your mouth like you were telling the microphone a secret. <laughs> like a but, secret. Like yeah. everybody, hey, everybody, shh, listen. Okay. Thanks for that call, Brittany, number two. Yes. And I have an email to read. I have the phone number to read before we do that. Okay. 657-464-7609. Also, you could email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Email, please. I'm listening to your latest podcast, so this is a response to the anonymous trolls. I think that being anonymous on the internet is kind of like Westworld. It reflects who people really are when Mm. they think there are no consequences. Awesome. Some people use it positively for personal development, while others use it to act out. I explain it for myself as having to do with a person's locus of control and whether they are internally or externally motivated morally and ethically. 
If they are externally motivated when there are no consequences to motivate respectful behavior, then they more easily become unhinged and say crazy and hurtful things. Internally motivated people, I think, use it more for the positive, for breaking taboos, getting to know others like and different from themselves. Just wondering what you think, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I know you're sitting there. So hello. Kindly, Jill. Can I say something before you delve in? About how much you love Jill? Yes. And yes, that is locus of control needs to be in my wheelhouse on a regular basis. That needs to be something that I think about. And I mean, I'll talk about all the time, but certainly bring into focus that there are different people who who think differently, who who prioritize how that you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's a psychological term, right? Yeah, locus yeah, of control. Awesome. And someone who is internally their locus of control is internal, they basically believe that they can influence events and their outcomes. So they have control over their life and what happens to them. Right. And people who have an external locus of control blame outside forces for what's happening to their life. So right. you can see how that difference would affect how someone behaves. It's, right. It's relatively similar to how uh, my best friend Brett talks about he can he can sum somebody up after like a five-minute conversation of whether or not they are self-actualized. You know what Dr. Alan Francis would call him? Yeah, well, <laughs> he would say, you know what I think about that? I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. No, of it's course similar, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I think this is a really good point that Jill is making where, of course, these are people who... Yeah. don't believe that they're going to receive any consequences. So why would they behave respectfully? The Westworld comparison really brought brought it home. And if you speak to me in dumbed down terms that relate to TV shows, Jesse (laughs) D is going to get it. And that really, it it brought it home. So thank you, Jill. And I agree. There have been times where people have done rebuttal videos about me on YouTube and then like chat, like call me out with Jesse Dollamore. I want to debate you. Fucking weirdo in like a WWF wow. voice. And uh, seems intense. Even like hit me up on Twitter. I'm like, look, you're you're an anonymous goom. I don't know what a goom is, but a legume. <laughs> you're a leg- you're a le- <laughs> an anonymous legume. <laughs> I don't need if you don't if you don't have you have no skin in the game. If you're anonymous. Yeah. If your face isn't there and your name isn't there. Right. My, I, this is everything. I'm coming to you with my given name. Yeah. You know who I am. I have no, you have nothing to risk. Yeah. So, and I think that that leads to people being aggressive assholes. Right. Online. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of the emails, all of the voicemails that we get. You guys are the grace. We, we really do appreciate all of the participation helping us move the conversation forward. It means the world. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Matthew. Matthew. Aaron. Aaron. Crystal. Crystal. Angela. Angela. Kajartan. Yes. Awesome. Kajartan. I got to say the name. Yes. Well, Kajartan's kind of a, it's an interesting, unique name. I'm, not, it's not, it's not uh, John or Dick or Sally. It's, it's not a, uh, 
typical. I don't want to say not normal because Jesse's not really normal. Well, listen, I get very stressed out because I want to say the names correctly. So if I said it incorrectly, which 100%, I'm sorry, then <laughs> just call in and, and tell us how to say it correctly. Because this happened with Raina. Yes. We were saying Raina's name Renia. incorrectly. We kept saying Renia. Yeah. Or I, by we, I mean me. Renia, Renia, Renia. Yeah. And finally she said, that's not how you say my name. Yeah, it's Raina. Get it together, yeah, a-holes. Fucking dicks. And now, <laughs> now we say it correctly because we right. know. So that's all it takes is a little correction. Yeah. And there we go. Listen, try growing up with the, the last name of Dollamore. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite pronunciation for your last name is Dollamore. That's Dollamore. how someone said it one time. Yeah. It was wonderful. There's Dolmore, Dollymore, Dollarmore. Yeah. It just, just like it looks. Dumbledore. Doll- Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny. Anyway, <laughs> it seemed real funny. It's not my original joke. I'm not going to take credit <laughs> for the lack of funniness that just occurred. All right. Anyway, thank Listen, it is a, a, a groundswell of new PayPal and Patreon supporters. And we we cannot we don't have a way to say thank you enough. It's it's uh, it's very moving. And we are rapidly approaching our our next mark to add a third episode a week. Which I'm, I'm trying to, if you guys have some ideas about what the third episode could be, I kind of want it to be a little bit different than the other two. Like maybe a solely voicemail, email, communication episode, some kind of a hybrid episode. I don't want it to just be another third episode. There needs to be something different about it, like a weekly wrap up or something. Anyway, I'm, we're, we're taking ideas. So again, 657-464-7609, I doubt it at dollamore.com. We're on Twitter. All that. We'd love to hear from you. Give us some ideas. All right. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, just today, we're finding out new information about two issues that we're not going to talk about today. Kind of throw you for a loop there. One is this Mike Flynn, the former national security advisor to President Donald Trump. That's the third time I've called him President Donald Trump, by the way. Yikes. Hopefully that will stop. <laughs> I mean, he's been president for, you know, over a month now, and I continue to, to not call him. I, I want to can, can I I stop doing the wrong thing and calling him president. Uh-huh. I get all flustered. See what happens? It's causing problems. Anyway, Mike Flynn just registered paperwork retroactively. From months ago, he just filed four months ago uh, that he was a a foreign agent. I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, that is what happened. We're going to wait, wait a couple days. We're going to really report on this for the Monday show. Kind of let the the details trickle in right now. Yeah. Well, let's just say a little bit more. So he was working to support Turkey while he was working for the Donald Trump campaign. The brutal leader of the nation of Turkey. Erdogan. Yes. Not a good guy. Earned over $500,000, $530,000 to be more precise. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's all kinds of questions. Well, how was he named to National Security Advisor when this was the case? Did the administration know? And if they didn't know, why the fuck didn't they know? So we're going to address all that on the next show. And then the other thing is this Alpha Bank, this is a Russian bank, kind of a large consumer bank like Wells Fargo or Chase or Bank of America here in the United States in Russia. And... There were server hits where their server was reaching out to the Donald Trump server like 2,800 times. 
And there's a lot of questions surrounding that. This was something that came up in late last year before the election, like in October of last year. And the FBI kind of looked into it and they really didn't find anything. But there are new details that are coming out and we're going to talk about them once a lot of the reporting comes in and we really learn more. So having said that, you can wait for that. That's awesome. We're going to talk again about the claims of Donald Trump about the Obama administration or specifically President Obama ordering the wiretaps. This is not just some wild allegation by Don. Well, it is a wild allegation, but it's not something like, I think this happened. He says, I know this happened and it is it's not going away. Everyone is asking questions about it. Welcome to Obama tapped my phone island population. President Trump, the White House saying the president has no regrets about his fact-free claim that then-President Obama tapped his phone last year, even though just about everyone else in the city in the know or with the power to investigate the claim says it's not true or that they've seen nothing that can support the accusation. That includes Republican leaders on the Hill. That includes officials at the White House. And it also includes FBI Director Comey, who in his first appearance since President Trump's tweets over the weekend did not address the claim at all. Even the president's own press secretary, when pressed, said that the matter is above his pay grade. And today we learned that President Obama, no stranger to Donald Trump's needling, might need another kitesurfing getaway after seeing the president's tweet storm. <laughs> I cannot. I, I want to get Jake on the show. We're on a first name basis now, Brittany. It seems like it. Yeah, me and Jake. No more JTAP. Good buddies. Yeah. Well, JTAP, it's even more more familiar. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I, I love that he is taking the administration to task, even at the peril of his own show, like getting guests on, mm -hmm. because he is even taking them to task relative to who does and doesn't believe Donald Trump in the administration and what they're saying. A lot of you know, a lot of times when something goes on, there are very direct denials. No, I don't believe that what Donald Trump says. I don't believe that. A lot of times it's all this obfuscation and weird language to try to get around a direct denial. A local TV interview caught our eye last night. John Kosick of Channel 5 in Cleveland asked Vice President Pence about President Trump's evidence-free accusation that President Obama had him wiretapped last year. Here is how Vice President Pence responded. Yes or no? Do you believe that President Obama did that? Well, what, what I can say is that uh, the president and our administration are very confident that the congressional committees in the House and Senate that are examining issues surrounding the last election, the run-up to the last election, will do that in a thorough and equitable way. I'm sure you noticed that the vice president was asked, yes or no, do you believe President Obama committed this action? One that both the FBI director and former director of national intelligence have said did not happen, and the vice president did not answer. And he did not say he believed it. This is, interestingly, just the latest example of members of the president's own team refusing to say that they believe his apparently false claim. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer said the president did not share his reasons for making the untethered charge. That would be above his pay grade, he said. Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, quote, the American people have a right to know if this took place. I repeat, if this took place. The president says it took place. His deputy press secretary, not so sure. Every credible person with access to intelligence says this did not happen or they have seen no evidence that it happened. 
And not even the vice president will say that he believes it happened. No one from the president's team says the charge is true. No one says, I believe the president. And these are people who are paid to believe the president. And this is the territory in which we find ourselves, where the word of the president isn't gold. It can't be stood upon like bedrock. It's it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Where even a member of Congress, Congressman Devin Nunez, came out and was chastising, in a way, chastising the press about the way they cover the things that the president of the United States says. Declared a statement of the former president wiretapped him. Well, as uh, you all know, uh, the president uh, is a neophyte to politics. He's been doing this a little over a year. And I think a lot of the things that uh, he says, uh, you guys uh, sometimes uh, take uh, literally. Uh, sometimes he doesn't have 27 lawyers and staff looking at what he does, uh, which is, I think, at times refreshing and at times can also uh, lead us to have to be sitting at a press conference like this answering questions that you guys are asking. So he's chastising the press because they're taking what the president says literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who? Where are we in American politics where this is okay? Well, again, this is one of those situations where the response should be, okay, wait a minute, we shouldn't be taking what the president says literally? That's exactly right. So what do we do then? Tell us what we should be doing. How do we interpret what he says on Twitter? Yeah, I'm sorry, is he the comedian in chief now? Right. Is he not running this country? No, our job is to take what he says seriously. (laughs) As they also get angry when he's treated as though he's a joke. Yes. Right? That's right. So they want us to take him seriously. They don't want us to take him seriously. What? It's whatever suits them at the moment. The problem is he is the president of the United States, the most powerful man. He's the head of the most power, by vastly the most powerful military on the goddamn planet. We have no choice but to take him literally. So for Congressman Nunez to, to make this absurd claim, chastising the media... Is just ridiculous. But he's not the only one in this this realm of, of people of, in power who are affected by Donald Trump. General Hayden, who was the former national security advisor, I'm sorry, the former chief of the NSA and also the head of the CIA and also a top-ranking military official in his other career. He went on Fox News. With those idiots in the morning. What is it? The Fox and Friends. (laughs) And I think he took them a little unawares. I think he's not as much a fan of this president, Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And they, of course, lead off the segment with the most biased, prejudiced language. And I don't mean racially prejudiced, but just it's, it's not fair and balanced like their slogan says. Just listen to how it opens. But then also, General Hayden, he's throwing them curveballs left and right that they're not ready for. Meanwhile, former President Obama's role in badgering President Trump and his cabinet sparking the question, are holdovers in the intel community playing games to undermine the president of the United States? To some, it looks like that. Joining us right now to weigh in is the former director of the CIA, NSA, and author of this book, 
playing to the edge, which is fantastic. Now it's out on paperback. General Michael Hayden, welcome back to the cab. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Yeah, go out and pick this up. It's really great. It gives great you an understanding well. not only of Thank your you. career, but how the NSA and CIA uh, work and what you've right. experienced. I wish we had something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Know, right? So can, can we talk about this? The president tweets out on Saturday right. that it looks like President Obama was tapping into him at the tower. Uh, wiretapping him into town. He's outraged. Is he right? Um, my instinct is no. All right. And it looks as if the president just for a moment forgot that he was president. And why didn't he simply use the powers of the presidency to ask the acting director of national intelligence, the head of the FBI, to confirm or deny the story he apparently read from Breitbart uh, the evening before? The, that particular story based on uh, a Heat Street article that said that in, I think, June or July, a FISA warrant was sought. Uh, it was denied. And then October, it yeah. was approved so that it would allow the FBI agents to do surveillance on Trump's campaign and associates as well. Yeah. Now, now, I don't know the operational background. As you know, I've been out of government. But we apparently now have the director of national intelligence saying, well, we didn't do anything like that. And through the New York Times, it appears that the director of the FBI is also saying we didn't do anything like that either. Neither of them would have done specifically what the president said, which was the president of the United States ordered surveillance on Trump Tower. Well, the president not, would never do it. He would have his people do it. No, actually, he wouldn't even be involved. I mean, you, you stay way back from this because of the separation of powers. After the mid-1970s, that authority is taken away from the president. The only way you get there, if you get there at all, mm -hmm. is through a judge. And he's got to have probable cause that the target... Sure, but who would make the General presentation would, to the judge? It would be the FBI or the CIA right. or NSA. General, will we... Will we be able to see the Spizo report? <laughs> so at the end there, I just want to point out every time I hear her fucking voice, I want to point out who that lady is who mm -hmm. was speaking. That's Ainsley Earhart who said this. What about country? the majority? Okay, the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. Fuck her. Seriously, every time she speaks, that's what we're going to play. Because that is a terrible sentiment that she feels in her heart. Yeah, we can't ever forget that that happened. So anyway, what she was doing there was this was going downhill quick. They were trying to throw everything at, at General Hayden to try to get him to to follow their way. That, well, well, wouldn't it have been Obama to make the presentation? He's like, no, it wouldn't have been. No, of course not. It would have been FBI. Yeah, they're a member of the administration. But the FBI is, for the most part, pretty independent, as we've seen with Comey acting like a goof against Hillary Clinton, for Hillary Clinton, for Donald Trump, against Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Who knows where this guy is? He's like a wild card. <laughs> He's like Charlie on, uh, on Always Sunny. <laughs> wild card, bitches! He cuts the brakes. <laughs> so anyway, so this is it just it, it's bizarre that once, I mean, one, you've got the one major powerhouse media outlet who's really trying to push this story down. Right. Trying to suppress it. Yeah. But then you've got the most educated people, the most respected people in in positions of power who are not playing ball right with donald trump at all leon panetta is one of them and he has raised questions about the trust issue with donald trump well today we wanted to get some insight into all of this from leon panetta first let us remind you why washington listens when he speaks Panetta was chairman of the House Budget Committee, director of the Office of Management and Budget. 
White House Chief of Staff under President Clinton, Director of the CIA when Osama bin Laden was killed, Secretary of Defense under President Obama, and is co-founder of the Panetta Institute for Public Policy. What a lazy guy. In the last... Yeah, so I'm going to pause it there, and let's just, let's just let that sink in. <laughs> he doesn't I, do anything. The only goddamn thing he hasn't done is President of the United States. Yeah. He's Director of the CIA, Secretary of Defense. He was House Ways and Me. I mean, this guy is, it's a laundry list of positions of power and positions of public trust. Right. He's not just a political hack. No. This guy has been entrusted with the security, the safety, the liberty, the lives of Americans. He's trustworthy. And what he says should be trusted and should be weighted against his resume. A few weeks, the president has told his military that there are terrorist attacks no one knows about because the press covers them up. He's described the news media as the enemy of the American people. He has likened his own intelligence agencies to Nazis. And now we have the wiretapping charge against President Obama. Is it appropriate to ask whether the president is having difficulty with rationality? Scott, the, uh, the coin of the realm for any president is trust. Uh, trust of the American people uh, in the credibility of that president. Uh, and when he says the things that he says, uh, in particular, this allegation about uh, wiretapping that has no bit of evidence to uh, support it, uh, it raises concerns about uh, trust in the president. Uh, because there are one or two conclusions you draw. One is that uh, he says these things knowing that they're not true in order to divert the public. Uh, and if he's doing that, he's misusing the powers of the presidency. Or he truly believes that they are true when indeed they're not true, uh, and uh, he hasn't tried to find out the truth, which then shows a real lack of judgment. Either way, I think it undermines and weakens the strength of the presidency in this country. How is this calculated in Moscow, in Beijing, in Pyongyang, North Korea? Well, that's the greatest danger. You know, in many ways, we, we've seen the president uh, say the things he's done, and, uh, you know, we often kind of move on. But the danger is, what if something should happen that requires the president of the United States uh, to take action? For example, uh, we're dealing with North Korea and the threats from North Korea. What if the president decides that uh, we have to take military action uh, as a result of that? Or what if we find out that uh, Iran is actually developing a nuclear weapon and that it requires military action? He's got to stand up and tell the world and this country uh, that that's required when indeed his credibility is now subject to question. I think, I think that is raising the most serious danger with regards to the ability of this president to relate to a very dangerous world. And what about his domestic agenda? In order for a president to be able to deal with members on the Hill, he's got to have credibility. And if he's dismissed because somehow he's not relevant, because people don't think he's really in touch with kind of reality and what's going on, 
uh, then that could damage his entire agenda on the domestic front. Secretary Leon Panetta, we appreciate your time. We are grateful. Thank you. Scott Pelley's a, a boss. Yeah. But let's address what Leon Panetta is talking about there because it's, it, is simpli- it is pure and simplistic and profound. Mm-hmm. That Donald Trump, you can't in one tweet say that Obama wiretapped me with zero evidence. And then in another tweet say, oh yeah, by the way, Iran is, they're developing nuclear weapons and we need to take military action against them and have, like, who, what are we supposed to believe? Right. It's like crying wolf syndrome. Yeah. If you lie to me, you lie to me, you lie to me, you lie to me, and then you want to talk about some truth. I don't know, fucker. I don't know if I'm going to believe you. Well, and Donald Trump is lying unlike anything we've ever seen from a politician. People say, oh, all politicians lie. Not like this. This is a whole different ballgame. This is beyond twisting, having some truth, and then... Like dough, you push it in the middle and the edges kind of, they go out. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. This is just, he says it's a rock and it's dough. (laughs) Yeah, he's just putting everything out there and seeing what sticks. Right. What's going to fire up his base. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Well, the the problem is, is that people of import, serious-minded individuals, you know, we're talking about people who matter in this country, not... doesn't care which which is unfortunate so when leon panetta is talking about competence and how important it is for him to be competent but also convince people that he's competent enough to do the job well a lot of his supporters don't care yeah they don't care if he's competent they wouldn't know how to assess whether or not he's competent because a lot of them don't care about the issues. They're not following it close enough to they're, really care if he's lying or not. They're just a fucking cheerleader for Team Trump. Well, and Trump, if it, MAGA, make America great again. And if it supports what they already believe, then yes. that's good enough. That's right. Well, listen, Donald Trump's going to have to learn sooner or later that if you make a claim, a wild claim that needs to be investigated... It's not just going to go away. If you're just trying to jingle a bright, shiny object like keys to distract the baby before you take its candy, it's not going to work when you've got senators and congressmen who are also responsible for the security and safety of millions, hundreds of millions of Americans. There will be an investigation. They will demand records. President Trump also facing new fallout over his explosive and evidence-free claim that President Obama ordered his phones to have during the campaign. Facing questions at yesterday's White House briefing, Sean Spicer read this statement. There is no reason that we should, that we have to think that the president is the target of any investigation whatsoever. Let's get more on this from our senior justice correspondent, Pierre Thomas. And Pierre, the pressure now mounting on FBI Director James Comey and the Justice Department to either back up or knock down the president's claim. That's right, George. It's getting to be put up or shut up time for everybody involved. The House Intelligence Committee is calling on Comey to appear in a hearing scheduled for March 20th. And Senators Lindsey Graham and Sheldon Whitehouse have sent a letter to Comey and the Justice Department demanding records to show whether there were any wiretaps related to Trump. Graham said he would subpoena Comey and the Justice Department if he had to, George. This isn't all that complicated. They either did have the wiretaps or they didn't. And and the FBI director says he wants to get the truth out there. But there are divisions inside the Justice Department over how and whether to do that. 
Yeah, George, there's some at the Justice Department who want Comey's request to die on the vine to go away, believing if they put out a statement challenging Trump's claims, it opens Pandora's box of talking about investigations, which they're loathe to do. On the other hand, there are those who share Comey's concerns that Trump's allegations are false and erode trust in the FBI. They say such damaging comments will continue if not combated. The FBI director did speak in Boston yesterday. Yeah, and he didn't mention Russia or Trump's tweets. Sources familiar with his thinking say he's being patient for a number of reasons. One, his message is essentially out there about how he feels about the tweets, and he's mindful that he's the subject of an inspector general investigation, which is focused on whether he broke Justice Department guidelines and how he handled the Clinton email investigation, including making those public comments. Now he's trying to do this by the book and through his bosses. He did suggest he's planning to be around another six and a half years, the full length of his 10-year term. We'll see, George. We will see about that, Pierre. Thomas, thanks very much. So there's real implications here where Congress can start demanding documentation. Perfect. Getting to the bottom of this to, to, to effectively prove that Donald Trump is a liar. Yeah, so when Lindsey Graham, on the clip that we played on the last show, said, it's my job to get to the bottom of this. That's right. Okay, more people should start thinking like him. That's not an idle threat by somebody who doesn't have the power. When you're a key member of the Senate, you're going to get to the bottom of it. When you send a letter demanding wiretap records from the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigations, you're going to get them. They can't just ignore you. That's not the way this works. Right. That's, that's part of the whole co-equal branches of government. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we'll wrap this part of this up. This, this all deals kind of with the Russian situation. And, you know, it, it's along the same lines that I've been talking about, that if there's no secrets to be had, if there are, haven't been any secrets, then why act secretive? Why why not disclose the information? And here is, is, is the Russian ambassador, Kislyak, being questioned in late 2016 at a panel discussion. They're up at the top of a dais, and he's at the podium, Kislyak, and he's being asked a question about his contact with the different, the two different um, general election political campaigns. And he li- now we know that he was lying when he gave his answer. And again, it makes it, it just it forces the question: Why would he lie if there was nothing to cover up? Has um, your embassy met with uh, either of the political campaigns, the Trump campaign or the Clinton campaign, during the course of this? Uh, what do you call campaign? I was invited, for example, to vote uh, conventions. Mm-hmm. I was at the first, that was Republican convention, but then unexpectedly, while being there, I was called back to Moscow for a reason that has nothing to do with your elections. So I, I wasn't there. But we had invitations to vote. So have you met, uh, talking about Cleveland, with any of the uh, Trump advisors or uh, Mr. Trump himself? No. I'm pausing it. No. Have you met with any of the Trump advisors or Trump himself? The answer flatly no. That's fucking lie. We know that's a lie. We know he met with Kush, uh, Jared Kushner. We know he met with Mike Flynn, whether, whether it be telephonically or not. Mm-hmm. That's a meeting. Yeah. You talked to him. We know that he met with Jeff Sessions twice. We know these things. Now we know these things. So looking back, he's a liar. Shocking. So the question would be, why? Why is he lying 
about something that it was so innocent there was no need to lie about it. Why have they all lied? Why are they all lying? Because they're covering something up that needs to be covered up. Otherwise, they will be in trouble. Uh, but we met those people who came to see all the ambassadors who were sitting in a special lounge. They're uh, specifically reserved for the diplomatic corps. And I was among those who were there talking to members of the Congress, to uh, all other people who cared to come to us and talk to us. Liar. Why? Why? Well, first of all, why is no one talking about this? Why is this clip not being played on every goddamn network? It's hard to keep up with all the lies. Yes, for <laughs> sure. That's part of it. And this again, this is another reason that I talked about this last time. I don't want this story to become so complex and layered and woven with different timelines and falsehoods and different angles that's why I'm trying to keep everything separate. I want to keep it compartmentalized. Like the server thing that we're going to talk about coming up on, on Monday's show. And the foreign agent thing. I want to keep everything as compartmentalized so it's easy to digest as mm -hmm. possible. Because it gets very, very convoluted. Yeah. Like a brain, Brittany. Yes. Convoluted with the... You could speak to it better, but... Mm -hmm. All the little wrinkles yes. and folds in the brain... Those are called convolution? Well, when it is very wrinkly, that's highly convoluted. There we go. See, everybody? You learned something today from Brittany Page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With the time we have, let's talk about this WikiLeaks document dump that the FBI is now investigating, which has revealed, apparently... The, the possibility that the CIA has been able to listen to you by flipping a switch and turning on the microphone in both your smartphone and maybe even your smart TV. Now to the investigation into that massive leak of CIA documents, a search zeroing in on this building right here for whoever released highly sensitive material to WikiLeaks. Our chief investigative correspondent, Brian Ross, is here. You have the latest. Good morning, Brian. Well, good morning, Robin. The FBI has now launched a full-scale criminal investigation of who stole the CIA secrets. And after a day of silence, the White House finally publicly condemned the leak to WikiLeaks, the same organization Donald Trump had praised as a candidate when it posted stolen emails from the Democrats. The hunt for the mole by the FBI is focused on employees and contractors who worked in this nondescript building outside Washington, D.C., the headquarters of the government's top secret Center for Cyber Intelligence, the CCI. It has created a great deal of harm, and I cannot think of it in any other terms than criminal activity. The editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks remains holed up inside the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Julian Assange, who was wanted on sexual assault charges in Sweden. An ABC News producer was turned away at the embassy door. Could I deliver a letter to Julian Assange? When WikiLeaks posted the emails from the Democratic Party hacked by Russian intelligence, candidate Donald Trump was full of praise. WikiLeaks! I love WikiLeaks! Uh. Now the White House press secretary says while the CIA leak was serious, not so much the Russian hack of the Democrats. There is a massive, massive difference between those two things. But both are illegal and both under investigation now by the FBI. The new CIA revelations continue to shake the electronic appliance world. Phone manufacturers, including Apple and Google, say they are scrambling to make sure the CIA can no longer hack into their devices or systems. 
And Samsung said it is urgently looking into the claim the CIA can turn its televisions into listening devices even when they appear to be off. It's illegal for the CIA to use any of those techniques in the U.S. against U.S. citizens, but the FBI can with a court-approved warrant. As the director of the FBI, Jim Comey, said yesterday, there's no such thing as absolute privacy in America, Robin. Keep in mind. Yes. Fine, thank you. So here's what you need to take away from this. One, this is developing. We're going to cover this going forward. We don't really have a lot of detail right now, other than what you just heard. But this is, this is the takeaway from this. The FBI would not be investigating this if this weren't true information that was released. If, if they made the claim, if WikiLeaks made the claim that they dumped all this information, that people could listen, that CIA specifically could listen to, through your TV to you in your home, could flip on your computer camera and watch you and listen to you and monitor your activities. If, if that was all lies, they would be laughing at the CIA headquarters in Langley and there wouldn't be an investigation. If I claim, if I release on Twitter that the CIA can tickle your butthole with a feather, <laughs> nothing would be investigated because that's not true. Well, However, I'm sure they could. <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know what they're into. A digital feather. Yeah, yeah. But because this is all real information, they're, they're going to investigate vigorously because big time shit was revealed. Digital feather, by the way, has a double meaning. All right. So that is something to consider. And we're going to follow the story. Clearly, we're going to follow the story because it's a, it's a big deal. Well, it's interesting to me because I see a lot of um, people posting about those apps that keep your messages secret with the encryption, mm-hmm. right? And I always thought, I'm skeptical of all this. And now you're kind of looking into them? No, I'm still skeptical of oh, them. Oh, I think right. that regardless of what you try to do, your information is likely not private, yeah, I'm I mean, not, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial. I'm not but. so worried about the information, but and look, who, who CIA doesn't give a fuck what I'm doing. Right, I, I'm just a, some idiot with a microphone. But you know, I, it makes me want to like get a clamp to clamp my camera so they don't look at me eating or something. Well, I my laptop camera is always covered with yeah. a piece of paper, and it has been like that for years. And people always ask me, "Why is your camera covered?" And I say, because someone could hack into my webcam yeah. and record me. Even and Zuckerberg has his c- camera covered. Yeah, like that's a real thing. Yeah. So, Look, if Zuckerberg's doing it, it's not just because he's paranoid. Yeah. Clearly, he's a computer guy. I feel judged <laughs> when people ask me about it. I feel like a paranoid person, yeah. like a conspiracy theory weirdo. But this is real. Yeah. Right? And people have that ability. For so sure. it's better to be safe than sorry. I, I feel that way, too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's... Let's wrap with this. Listen, I've got two other things to talk about. One is Mitch McConnell admitting that uh, we're not going to, or Mexico's not going to pay for the wall. The other one is kind of a a video that Vox put together about Obamacare, but we're going to wait until Monday for all that. I want to talk about, as the ending thing of the show, about Ben Carson and what he said about slaves being immigrants, and then also the fact that President Obama actually said something almost as jackassery-ish. Jackassed? <laughs> As j- jackass, yeah. Well, is jackass? Yeah. Well, let's go. I just ruined it. God I don't damn. Know. Sorry. So anyway, Ben Carson. I'm sure you've heard this. He said this while speaking to to employees of the Housing and Urban Development Department. And go to Ellis Island one of these days if you haven't been there, and go through that museum on Ellis Island. Museum. And look at the pictures of all those people who are hanging up there. 
from every part of the world, many of them carrying all their earthly belongings in their two hands, not knowing what this country held for them. Would somebody wake him up? Seriously, it's not even just listening to him. He is, he is, hey, everybody, I'm Droopy Dog Ben Carson, and I just want to say that immigrants are swell, and they carried everything they had, everybody. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, he's a, he's not a dynamic, passionate speaker, And, and right? then when you watch him, it, seriously, it's like he just smoked, he just took a big, giant rip off the most high-powered weed you can, <laughs> and his eyes are like slammed shut. Yeah. It's with all the energy inside his lazy body that he tries to open up his eyes. It, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, he said this, and then he goes on to talk about the slaves. Look at the determination in their eyes. People who work not five days a week, but six or seven days a week. Not eight hours a day, but 10, 12, 16 hours a day. No such thing as a minimum wage. They work not for themselves, but for their sons and their daughters, and their grandsons and their granddaughters, that they might have an opportunity in this land. And here we go. That's what America is about, a land of dreams and opportunity. There were other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships, worked even longer, even harder for less. But they, too, had a dream <laughs> that one day their sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters might pursue <laughs> prosperity. <laughs> And happiness in this land. It's very sermon-esque. Yeah, yeah. Like a preacher. Yeah. Right? He's Seventh-day Adventist, though, so they don't have fiery preachers. In... Well, I, didn't, I didn't say it was fiery. Yeah. I'm saying it sounds like a sermon. Certainly sermon the, the, it, yeah. it has that certain cadence to it, I don't know, where yeah. he's kind of talking slow, really trying to emphasize, put yeah. emphasis on certain words, and kind of stir you with emotion. Yeah, sure. In the way that, it, I mean, in a very boring, not stirring emotion way. So, listen, uh, justifiably, the internet lost its goddamn mind about him saying that slave slaves came here as immigrants in the belly of slave ships, chained, raped, tortured, murdered, brought here against their will. They weren't people, according to their owners. They were property. So a teacup cannot immigrate to the United States. It's property. A dog cannot immigrate to the United States. It is property. And at the time, they were considered property by these fucking animals who owned them, who tortured them, who murdered them, who brutally raped them, forced them to, to, to mate and have babies so they could create a new generation of property in their minds. Well, the internet lost its mind, me included. And then it came out that President Obama apparently numerous times said something similar to this. Now, I've chosen the one that's the most egregious that President Obama said, and it's similar. It's, it is stupid what he said. I believe it is idiot. It's an idiot remark. But it's not, the tone is far different. Here's, you let me know what you think. Life in America was not always easy. 
It wasn't always easy for new immigrants. Certainly it wasn't easy for those of African heritage who had not come here voluntarily and yet in their own way were immigrants themselves. There was discrimination and hardship and poverty. But like you, they no doubt found inspiration in all those who had come before them. And they were able to muster faith that here in America, they might build a better life. So that's what he said. Now, is, is it accurate? Like Ben Carson's statement, technically, I guess, an immigrant is someone who comes, whether it be by their free will or just they came here by whatever means. So technically, I guess, but it's the spirit of the comments. I say all the time we have the commonality of language, and we do. And we know what they're saying. And Ben Carson's statement was absolutely ignoring that they were brought here against their will, that they came here with a dream for what would be their their descendants. It almost seemed like President Obama was trying to make this conversation about immigrants and then mentioned slaves and then like he realized said, he needed to kind of tie everything together. Right. And so... Well, he said, in their own way, we're immigrants. Right. Which it does... It, it mitigates it a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Of course. Both statements are stupid, I believe. Yeah. To, to call slaves immigrants... I think is disrespectful to their the plight of millions of Africans over the course of hundreds of years. Now, I don't know if it's because President Obama doesn't share the history of the vast majority of African Americans in our country because he doesn't have a slave lineage, an American slave lineage. His father is Kenyan was a Kenyan, wasn't an American, an African-American. He was an African. And look, I'm not, I'm not shitting on Obama here. But I wonder, I'm just posing a question here. I wonder if it had something to do with that. Because both of these statements, I believe, are insensitive and not well thought through. But if you weigh the two statements, because if you, you know, the Breitbart crowd right now, the Donald Trump crowd right now is saying, well, Obama... When I posted about this on the little thing that I wrote on Facebook, someone posted this quote from Obama. I didn't respond to it because, you know, fuck that guy. But what's the point of that? So did he believe that I'm not going to criticize Barack Obama for something that was stupid, not well thought out at the very least? Mm -hmm. No, both things are dumb. Both things were not well thought out. And this is something that we talked about last time with Nancy Pelosi's inability to yes. contem- condemn that joke. Absolutely. Which is the people who viciously defend Donald Trump at every turn or Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell or any Republican who does dumb things. They're the problem. Just as any Democrat who viciously defends a Democrat, regardless of the dumb things they do or say, this is the problem. And if that continues, then the divide in the political climate is only going to become more difficult, more harsh. It's not going to be good. Well, you shed your moral authority. Yeah. And we need to be honest when people on, quote unquote, our team make a mistake. Absolutely. Because that allows other people to see 
oh, wow, they're admitting when their person made a mistake. Right. Maybe it's okay if I do that too. Maybe I need to do that. I don't need to viciously defend at all costs. Fidelity to truth over fidelity to your party or your organization or your team. Yeah. Truth will win out. The team is going to falter. Members of your team, they're going to fuck up. And if you hold them to account, they will be stronger for it. I guess that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Little motivational speech there at the end, huh? Maybe I was given a sermon. (laughs) All right, everybody. We're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you tonight. Since this is going to release today, uh, tonight is a a Patreon call. If you're going to be on, great. Tomorrow morning is another one. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Listen, if you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week or as often as you do, One, you can rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us out tremendously. It is an awesome thing that really does go a long way to helping out the show. Remember, no profanity in your review. (laughs) That is right. If you curse, iTunes won't post it. I can say fuck, shit, cock, piss, whatever I want. You know, Brittany likes to piss, but uh, iTunes doesn't like it in the reviews. So the other thing that you can do is go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. You can donate to the show. You could be a contributor to the show. You can partner with us to help move the conversation forward through PayPal, through Patreon, through buying something on Amazon by clicking through with our link. All of that really helps us out. We are very rapidly becoming uh, hit almost to the level where we're going to add a third show per week, which everybody's clamoring for, and it's just we're not able to do it yet. So we would, we would be so grateful eternally grateful if you would help us marching toward that goal. All right. Well, until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny. Anyway. <laughs> it seemed real funny. It's not my original joke. I'm not going to take credit <laughs> for the lack of funniness that just occurred. All right. All right.